Question 42 of Summa Theologica Pars Prima Trinity and Creation. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Jim Ruddy. Summa Theologica Pars Prima Trinity and Creation by St. Thomas Aquinas translated by the fathers of the english dominican province question forty two of equality and likeness among the divine persons we now have to consider the persons as compared to one another firstly with regard to equality and likeness secondly with regard to mission concerning the first there are six points of inquiry whether there is equality among the divine persons, whether the person who proceeds is equal to the one from whom he proceeds in eternity, whether there is any order among the divine persons, whether the divine persons are equal in greatness, whether the one divine person is in another, and whether they are equal in power first article whether there is equality in god objection one it would seem that equality is not becoming to the divine persons for equality is in relation to things which are one in quantity as the philosopher says but in the divine persons there is no quantity neither continuous intrinsic quantity which we call size nor continuous extrinsic quantity which we call place and time nor can there be equality by reason of discrete quantity because two persons are more than one therefore equality is not becoming to the divine persons objection to further the divine persons are of one essence as we have said now essence is signified by way of form but agreement in form makes things to be alike not to be equal Therefore, we may speak of likeness in the divine persons, but not of equality. Objection 3. Further, things wherein there is to be found equality are equal to one another, for equality is reciprocal. But the divine persons cannot be said to be equal to one another. For as Augustine says, if an image answers perfectly to that where it is, whereof it is the image it may be said to be equal to it but that which it represents cannot be said to be equal to the image but the son is the image of the father and so the father is not equal to the son therefore equality is not to be found among the divine persons objection for further equality is a relation but no relation is common to the three persons for the persons are distinct by reason of the relations therefore equality is not becoming to the divine persons on the contrary athanasius says that the three persons are co-eternal and co-equal to one another i answer that we must needs admit equality among the divine persons for according to the philosopher equality signifies the negation of greater or less now we cannot admit anything greater or less in the divine persons for as boethius says 
they must needs admit a difference who speak of either increase or decrease as the Arians do, who sunder the trinity by distinguishing degrees as of numbers, thus involving a plurality. Now the reason of this is that unequal things cannot have the same quantity, but quantity in God is nothing else than his essence. Wherefore it follows that if there were any inequality in the divine persons they would not have the same essence and thus the three persons would not be one god which is impossible we must therefore admit equality among the divine persons reply to objection one quantity is twofold there is quantity of bulk or dimensive quantity which is to be found only in corporeal things and has therefore no place in God. There is also a quantity of virtue which is measured according to the perfection of some nature or form. To this sort of quantity we allude when we speak of something as being more or less hot, for as much as it is more or less perfect in heat. Now this virtual quantity is measured firstly by its source, that is, by the perfection of that form or nature. Such is the greatness of spiritual things, just as we speak of great heat on account of its intensity and perfection. And so Augustine says that in things which are great, but not in bulk, to be greater is to be better. For the more perfect a thing is, the better it is. Secondly, virtual quantity is measured by the effects of the form. Now the first effect of form is being, for everything has being by reason of its form. The second effect is operation, for every agent acts through its form. Consequently, virtual quantity is measured both in regard to being and in regard to action. In regard to being, for as much as things of a more perfect nature are of longer duration, and in regard to action, forasmuch as things of a more perfect nature are more powerful to act. And so, as Augustine says, we understand equality to be in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, inasmuch as no one of them either proceeds in eternity, or excels in greatness, or surpasses in power. Reply to Objection 2 where we have equality in respect of virtual quantity equality includes likeness and something besides because it excludes excess for whatever things have a common form may be said to be alike even though they do not participate in that form equally just as the air may be said to be like fire in heat but they cannot be said to be equal if one participates in the form more perfectly than another and because not only is the same nature in both father and son, but also is it in both in perfect equality, therefore we say not only that the son is like to the father in order to exclude the error of Eunomius, but also that he is equal to the father to exclude the error of Arius. Reply to Objection 3 Equality and likeness in God may be designated in two ways namely by nouns and by verbs 
when designated by nouns equality in the divine persons is mutual and so is likeness for the son is equal and like to the father and conversely this is because the divine essence is not more the father's than the son's wherefore just as the son has the greatness of the father and is therefore equal to the father so the father has the greatness of the son and is therefore equal to the son but in reference to creatures dionysius says equality and likeness are not mutual for effects are said to be like their causes inasmuch as they have the form of their causes but not conversely for the form is principally in the cause and secondarily in the effect but verbs signify equality with movement and although movement is not in god there is something that receives since therefore the son receives from the father this namely that he is equal to the father and not conversely for this reason we say that the son is equaled to the father but not conversely reply to objection four in the divine persons there is nothing for us to consider but the essence which they have in common and the relations in which they are distinct now equality implies both namely distinction of persons for nothing can be said to be equal to itself and unity of essence since for this reason are the persons equal to one another that they are of the same greatness and essence now it is clear that the relation of a thing to itself is not a real relation nor again is one relation referred to another by a further relation for when we say that paternity is opposed to filiation opposition is not a relation mediating between paternity and filiation for in both these cases relation would be multiplied indefinitely therefore equality and likeness in the divine persons is not a real relation distinct from the personal relations but in its concept it includes both the relations which distinguish the persons and the unity of essence for this reason the master says that in these it is only the terms that are relative second article whether the person proceeding is co-eternal with his principle as the son with the father objection one it would seem that the person proceeding is not co-eternal with his principle as the son with the father for arius gives twelve modes of generation the first mode is like the issue of a line from a point wherein is wanting equality of simplicity the second is like the emission of rays from the sun wherein is absent equality of nature the third is like the mark or impression made by a seal wherein is wanting consubstantiality and executive power the fourth is the infusion of a good will from god wherein also consubstantiality is wanting the fifth is the emanation of an accident from its subject but the accident has no subsistence 
The sixth is the abstraction of a species from matter as sense receives the species from the sensible object, wherein is wanting equality of spiritual simplicity. The seventh is the exciting of the will by knowledge, which excitation is merely temporal. The eighth is transformation as an image is made of brass, which transformation is material. The ninth is motion from a mover, and here again we have effect and cause. The tenth is the taking of species from genera, but this mode has no place in God, for the Father is not predicated of the Son as the genus of a species. The eleventh is the realization of an idea as an external coffer arises from the one in the mind. The twelfth is birth as a man is begotten of his father which implies priority and posteriority of time thus it is clear that equality of nature or of time is absent in every mode whereby one thing is from another so if the son is from the father we must say that he is less than the father or later than the father or both Objection to further everything that comes from another has a principle, but nothing eternal has a principle. Therefore the Son is not eternal, nor is the Holy Ghost. Objection 3. Further everything which is corrupted ceases to be. Hence everything generated begins to be, for the end of generation is existence but the son is generated by the father therefore he begins to exist and is not co-eternal with the father objection for further if the son be begotten by the father either he is always being begotten or there is some moment in which he is begotten if he is always being begotten, since during the process of generation a thing must be imperfect as appears in successive things which are always in process of becoming as time and motion, it follows that the Son must be always imperfect which cannot be admitted. Thus there is a moment to be assigned for the begetting of the Son, and before that moment the Son did not exist. On the contrary, Athanasius declares that all the three persons are co-eternal with each other. I answer that we must say that the Son is co-eternal with the Father. In proof of which we must consider that for a thing which proceeds from a principle to be posterior to its principle may be due to two reasons, one on the part of the agent and the other on the part of the action. On the part of the agent this happens differently as regards free agents and natural agents. In free agents, on account of the choice of time, for as a free agent can choose the form it gives to the effect as stated above, so it can choose the time in which to produce its effect. In natural agents, however, the same happens from the agent not having its perfection of natural power from the very first, but attain, obtaining it after a certain time, as, for instance, a man is not able to generate from the very first. Considered on the part of action, anything derived from a principle cannot exist simultaneously with its principle when the action is successive. 
So given that an agent, as soon as it exists, begins to act thus, the effect would not exist in the same instant, but in the instant of the action's termination. Now it is manifest according to what has been said that the Father does not beget the Son by will, but by nature, and also that the Father's nature was perfect from eternity, and again that the action whereby the Father produces the Son is not successive, because thus the Son would be successively generated, and this generation would be material and accompanied with movement, which is quite impossible. Therefore we conclude that the Son existed whensoever the Father existed, and thus the Son is co-eternal with the Father, and likewise the Holy Ghost is co-eternal with both. Reply to Objection 1. As Augustine says, no mode of the procession of any creature perfectly represents the divine generation. Hence we need to gather a likeness of it from many of these modes, so that what is wanting in one may be somewhat supplied from another. And thus it is declared in the council of Ephesus, Let splendor tell thee that the co-eternal Son existed always with the Father. Let the word announce the impassibility of his birth. Let the name Son insinuate his consubstantiality. Yet above them all the procession of the word from the intellect represents it more exactly. The intellectual word not being posterior to its source except in an intellect passing from potentiality to act, and this cannot be said of God. Reply to Objection 2. Eternity excludes the principle of duration, but not the principle of origin. Reply to Objection 3. Every corruption is a change, and so all that corrupts begins not to exist and ceases to be. The divine generation, however, is not changed, as stated above. Hence the Son is ever being begotten, and the Father is always begetting. Reply to Objection 4. In time there is something indivisible, namely the instant. And there is something else which endures, namely time. But in eternity, the indivisible now stands ever still, as we have said above. But the generation of the sun is not in the now of time, or in time, but in eternity. And so, to express the presentiality and permanence of eternity, we can say that he is ever being born, as Origen said. But as Gregory and Augustine said, it is better to say ever born, so that ever may denote the permanence of eternity, and born the perfection of the only begotten. Thus, therefore, neither is the Son imperfect, nor was there a time when he was not, as Arius had said. Third article, whether in the divine persons there exists an order of nature. Objection 1. It would seem that among the divine persons there does not exist an order of nature. For whatever exists in God is the essence or a person or a notion. 
but the order of nature does not signify the essence nor any of the persons or notions therefore there is no order of nature in god objection to further wherever order of nature exists there one comes before another at least according to nature and intellect but in the divine persons there exists neither priority nor posteriority as declared by athanasius therefore in the divine persons there is no order of nature objection three further wherever order exists distinction also exists but there is no distinction in the divine nature therefore it is not subject to order and order of nature does not exist in it objection four further the divine nature is the divine essence but there is no order of essence in god therefore neither is there of nature on the contrary where plurality exists without order confusion exists but in the divine persons there is no confusion as athanasius says therefore in god order exists i answer that order always has reference to some principle wherefore since there are many kinds of principles namely according to sight as a point according to intellect as the principle of demonstration and according to each individual cause so are there many kinds of order now principle according to origin without priority exists in god as we have stated so there must likewise be order according to origin without priority and this is called the order of nature in the words of augustine not whereby one is prior to another but whereby one is from another reply to objection one the order of nature signifies the notion of origin in general not a special kind of origin reply to objection two in things created even when what is derived from a principle is co-equal in duration with its principle the principle still comes first in the order of nature and reason if formally considered as principle if however we consider the relations of cause and effect or of the principle and the thing proceeding therefrom it is clear that the things so related are simultaneous in the order of nature and reason inasmuch as the one enters the definition of the other but in god the relations themselves are the persons subsisting in one nature so neither on the part of the nature nor on the part of the relations can one person be prior to another not even in the order of nature and reason reply to objection three the order of nature means not the ordering of nature itself but the existence of order in the divine persons according to natural origin reply to objection four nature in a certain way implies the idea of a principle but essence does not and so the order of origin is more correctly called the order of nature than the order of essence fourth article whether the son is equal to the father in greatness 
Objection 1. It would seem that the Son is not equal to the Father in greatness, for he himself said, The Father is greater than I. And the Apostle says, The Son himself shall be subject to him that put all things under him. Objection 2. Further, paternity is part of the Father's dignity, but paternity does not belong to the Son therefore the son does not possess all the father's dignity and so he is not equal in greatness to the father objection three further wherever there exists a whole and a part many parts are more than one only or than fewer parts as three men are more than two or than one but in god a universal whole exists and a part for under relation or notion several notions are included therefore since in the father there are three notions while in the son there are only two the son is evidently not equal to the father on the contrary it is said he thought it not robbery to be equal with god i answer that the Son is necessarily equal to the Father in greatness. For the greatness of God is nothing but the perfection of his nature. Now it belongs to the very nature of paternity and filiation that the Son by generation should attain to the possession of the perfection of the nature which is in the Father in the same way as it is in the Father himself. But since in men generation is a certain kind of transmutation of one proceeding from potentiality to act, it follows that a man is not equal at first to the father who begets him, but attains to equality by due growth, unless owing to a defect in the principle of generation it should happen otherwise. From what precedes it is evident that in God there exist real true paternity and filiation nor can we say that the power of generation in the father was defective nor that the son of god arrived at perfection in a successive manner and by change therefore we must say that the son was eternally equal to the father in greatness hence hilary says remove bodily weakness remove the beginning of conception remove pain and all human shortcomings then every son by reason of his natural nativity is the father's equal because he has a like nature reply to objection one these words are to be understood of christ's human nature wherein he is less than the father and subject to him but in his divine nature he is equal to the father this is expressed by athanasius equal to the father in his godhead less than the father in humanity and by hilary by the fact of giving the father is greater but he is not less to whom the same being is given and the son subjects himself by his inborn piety that is by his recognition of paternal authority whereas creatures are subject by their created weakness reply to objection to equality is measured by greatness in god greatness signifies the perfection of nature as above explained and belongs to the essence 
Thus equality and likeness in God have reference to the essence, nor can there be inequality or dissimilitude arising from the distinction of the relations. Wherefore, Augustine says, The question of origin is, Who is from whom? But the question of equality is, Of what kind, or how great is he? Therefore, paternity is the Father's dignity, as also the Father's essence, since dignity is something absolute and pertains to the essence. As, therefore, the same essence which in the Father is paternity, in the Son is filiation, so the same dignity which in the Father is paternity, in the Son is filiation. It is thus true to say that the Son possesses whatever dignity the Father has, but we cannot argue the father has paternity, therefore the son has, paterni has paternity, for there is a transition from substance to relation. For the father and the son have the same essence of dignity which exists in the father by relation of giver and in the son by relation of receiver. Reply to Objection 3. In God, Relation is not a universal whole, although it is predicated of each of the relations, because all the relations are one in essence and being, which is irreconcilable with the idea of universal, the parts of which are distinguished in being. Person, likewise, is not a universal term in God, as we have seen above. Wherefore, all the relations together are not greater than only one, nor are all the persons something greater than only one, because the whole perfection of the divine nature exists in each person. Fifth article, whether the Son is in the Father and conversely. Objection 1. It would seem that the Son and the Father are not in each other. For the philosopher gives eight modes of one thing existing in another, according to none of which is the Son in the Father, or conversely, as is patent to anyone who examines each mode. Therefore the Son and the Father are not in each other. Objection to Further, nothing that has come out from another is within, but the Son from eternity came out from the Father, according to He is going forth, is from the beginning, from the days of eternity. Therefore the Son is not in the Father. Objection 3. Further, one of two opposites cannot be in the other, but the Son and the Father are relatively opposed. Therefore one cannot be in the other. On the contrary, it is said, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. I answer, that there are three points of consideration as regards the Father and the Son, the essence, the relation, and the origin. And according to each, the Son and the Father are in each other. The Father is in the Son by his essence, forasmuch as the Father is his own essence and communicates his essence to the Son, not by any change on his part. Hence it follows that as the Father's essence is in the Son, the Father himself is in the Son. Likewise, since the Son is his own essence, it follows that he himself is in the Father, in whom is his essence. This is expressed by Hilary. The unchangeable God, so to speak, follows his own nature in begetting an unchangeable subsisting God. So we understand the nature of God 
to subsist in him for he is god in god it is also manifest that as regards the relations each of two relative opposites is in the concept of the other regarding origin also it is clear that the procession of the intelligible word is not outside the intellect inasmuch as it remains in the utterer of the word what is also is uttered by the word is there in contained and the same applies to the holy ghost reply to objection one what is contained in creatures does not sufficiently represent what exists in god so according to none of the modes enumerated by the philosopher are the son and the father in each other the mode that most nearly approaching to the reality is to be found in that whereby something exists in its originating principle except that the unity of essence between the principle and that which proceeds therefrom is wanting in things created reply to objection to the son's going forth from the father is by mode of the interior procession whereby the word emerges from the heart and remains therein hence this going forth in god is only by the distinction of the relations not by any kind of essential separation and reply to objection three the father and the son are relatively opposed but not essentially while as above explained one relative opposite is in the other sixth article whether the son is equal to the father in power objection one it would seem that the son is not equal to the father in power for it is said the son cannot do anything of himself but what he seeth the father doing but the father can act of himself therefore the father's power is greater than the son's objection two further greater is the power of him who commands and teaches than of him who obeys and hears but the father commands the son according to john as the father gave me commandment so do i the father also teaches the son the father loveth the son and showeth him all things that himself doth also the son hears as i hear so i judge therefore the father has greater power than the son objection three further it belongs to the father's omnipotence to be able to beget a son equal to himself for augustine says were he unable to beget one equal to himself where would be the omnipotence of god the father but the son cannot beget a son as proved above therefore the son cannot do all that belongs to the father's omnipotence hence he is not equal to his power on the contrary it is said whatsoever things the father doth these the son also doth in like manner i answer that the son is necessarily equal to the father in power power of action is a consequence of perfection in nature in creatures for instance we see that the more perfect the nature the greater power is there for action now it was shown above that the very notion of the divine paternity and filiation requires that the son should be the father's equal in greatness that is in perfection of nature hence it follows that the son is equal to the father in power and the same applies to the holy ghost in relation to both reply to objection one the words the son cannot of himself do anything do not withdraw from the son any power possessed by the father since it is immediately added whatsoever things the father doth the son doth in like manner 
But their meaning is to show that the Son derives His power from the Father of whom He receives His nature. Hence Hilary says, The unity of the divine nature implies that the Son so acts of Himself that He does not act by Himself. Reply to Objection 2. The Father's showing and the Son's hearing are to be taken in the sense that the Father communicates knowledge to the Son as He communicates His essence. The command of the Father can be explained in the same sense as giving Him from eternity knowledge and will to act by begetting Him. Or, better still, this may be referred to Christ in His human nature. Reply to Objection 3. As the same essence is paternity in the Father and filiation in the Son, so by the same power the father begets and the son is begotten hence it is clear that the son can do whatever the father can do yet it does not follow that the son can beget for to argue thus would imply transition from substance to relation for generation signifies a divine relation so the son has the same omnipotence as the father but with another relation the father possessing power as giving signified when we say that he is able to beget while the son possesses the power of receiving signified by saying that he can be begotten the end of question 42 question 43 of summa theologica pars prima trinity and creation this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Jim Ruddy. Summa Theologica Pars Prima Trinity and Creation by St. Thomas Aquinas Translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province Question 43. The Mission of the Divine Persons we next consider the mission of the divine persons concerning which there are eight points of inquiry whether it is suitable for a divine person to be sent whether mission is eternal or only temporal in what sense a divine person is invisibly sent whether it is fitting that each person be sent whether both the son and the holy ghost are invisibly sent to whom the invisible mission is directed of the visible mission, and whether any person sends himself visibly or invisibly. First article, whether a divine person can be properly sent. Objection 1. It would seem that a divine person cannot be properly sent, for one who is sent is less than the sender. But one divine person is not less than another, therefore one person is not sent by another. Objection 2. Further, what is sent is separated from the sender. Hence Jerome says, commenting on Ezekiel, what is joined and tied in one body cannot be sent. But in the divine persons there is nothing that is separable, as Hilary says. Therefore, one person is not sent by another. Objection 3. Further, whoever is sent departs from one place and comes anew into another. But this does not apply to a divine person who is everywhere. Therefore, it is not suitable for a divine person to be sent. On the contrary, it is said, I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. I answer, 
that the notion of mission includes two things the habitude of the one sent to the sender and that of the one sent to the end whereto he is sent any one being sent implies a certain kind of procession of the one sent from the sender either according to command as the master sends the servant or according to counsel as an adviser may be said to send the king to battle or according to origin as a tree sends forth its flowers the habitude to the term to which he is sent is also shown so that in some way he begins to be present there either because in no way was he present before in the place whereto he is sent or because he begins to be there in some way in which he was not there hitherto thus the mission of a divine person is a fitting thing as meaning in one way the procession of origin from the sender and as meaning a new way of existing in another thus the son is said to be sent by the father into the world inasmuch as he began to exist visibly in the world by taking our nature whereas he was previously in the world reply to objection one mission implies inferiority in the one sent when it means procession from the sender as principle by command or counsel forasmuch as the one commanding is the greater and the counsellor is the wiser in god however it means only procession of origin which is according to equality as explained above reply to objection two what is so sent as to begin to exist where previously it did not exist is locally moved by being sent hence it is necessarily separated locally from the sender this however has no place in the mission of a divine person for the divine person sent neither begins to exist where he did not previously exist nor ceases to exist where he was and such a mission takes place without a separation having only distinction of origin reply to objection three this objection rests on the idea of mission according to local motion which is not in god second article whether mission is eternal or only temporal objection one it would seem that mission can be eternal for gregory says the son is sent as he is begotten but the son's generation is eternal therefore mission is eternal objection two further a thing is changed if it becomes something temporally but a divine person is not changed therefore the mission of a divine person is not temporal but eternal objection three further mission implies procession but the procession of the divine persons is eternal therefore mission is also eternal on the contrary it is said when the fullness of the time was come god sent his son i answer that a certain difference is to be observed in all the words that express the origin of the divine persons for some express only relation to the principle as procession and going forth others express the term of procession together with the relation to the principle of these some express the eternal term as generation and spiration for generation is the procession of the divine person into the divine nature and passive spiration is the procession of the subsisting love 
Others express the temporal term with a relation to the principle as mission and giving. For a thing is sent that it may be in something else, and is given that it may be possessed. But that a divine person be possessed by any creature or exist in it in a new mode is temporal. Hence mission and giving have only a temporal significance in God, but generation and spiration are exclusively eternal whereas procession and giving in God have both an eternal and a temporal signification. For the Son may proceed eternally as God, but temporally by becoming man, according to his visible mission, or likewise by dwelling in man, according to his invisible mission. Reply to Objection 1. Gregory speaks of the temporal generation of the Son, not from the Father, but from his mother, or it may be taken to mean that he could be sent because eternally begotten. Reply to objection to that a divine person may newly exist in any one or be possessed by any one in time does not come from change of the divine person, but from change in the creature, as God Himself is called Lord temporally by change of the creature. Reply to objection three mission signifies not only procession from the principle but also determines the temporal term of the procession. Hence, mission is only temporal. Or we may say that it includes the eternal procession with the addition of a temporal effect. For the relation of a divine person to his principle must be eternal. Hence the procession may be called a twin procession, eternal and temporal. Not that there is a double relation to the principle, but a double term, temporal and eternal. Third article, whether the invisible mission of the divine person is only according to the gift of sanctifying grace. Objection 1. It would seem that the invisible mission of the divine person is not only according to the gift of sanctifying grace. For the sending of a divine person means that he is given. Hence, if the divine person is sent only according to the gift of sanctifying grace, the divine person himself will not be given but only his gifts. And this is the error of those who say that the Holy Ghost is not given but that his gifts are given. Objection to further, this preposition according to denotes the habitude of some cause. But the divine person is the cause why the gift of sanctifying grace is possessed and not conversely. According to Romans, the charity of God is poured forth in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who is given to us. Therefore it is improperly said that the divine person is sent according to the gift of sanctifying grace. Objection 3. Further, Augustine says that the Son, when temporally perceived by the mind, is sent. But the Son is known not only by sanctifying grace, but also by gratuitous grace, as by faith and knowledge. Therefore, the divine person is not sent according only to the gift of sanctifying grace. Objection 4. Further, Rabbanus says that the Holy Ghost was given to the apostles for the working of miracles. This, however, is not a gift of sanctifying grace, but a gratuitous grace. Therefore, the divine person is not given only according to the gift of sanctifying grace. On the contrary, Augustine says that the Holy Ghost proceeds temporally for the creature's sanctification 
but mission is a temporal procession since then the creature's sanctification is by sanctifying grace it follows that the mission of the divine person is only by sanctifying grace i answer that the divine person is fittingly sent in the sense that he exists newly in any one and he is given as possessed by any one and neither of these is otherwise than by sanctifying grace for god is in all things by his essence power and presence according to his one common mode as the cause existing in the effects which participate in his goodness above and beyond this common mode however there is one special mode belonging to the rational nature wherein god is said to be present as the object known is in the knower and the beloved in the lover and since the rational creature by its operation of knowledge and love attains to god himself according to this special mode god is said not only to exist in the rational creature but also to dwell therein as in his own temple so no other effect can be put down as the reason why the divine person is in the rational creature in a new mode except sanctifying grace hence the divine person is sent and proceeds temporally only according to sanctifying grace again we are said to possess only what we can freely use or enjoy and to have the power of enjoying the divine person can only be according to sanctifying grace and yet the holy ghost is possessed by man and dwells within him in the very gift itself of sanctifying grace hence the holy ghost himself is given and sent reply to objection one by the gift of sanctifying grace the rational creature is perfected so that it can freely use not only the created gift itself but enjoy also the divine person himself and so the invisible mission takes place according to the gift of sanctifying grace and yet the divine person himself is given reply to objection two sanctifying grace disposes the soul to possess the divine person and this is signified when it is said that the holy ghost is given according to the gift of grace nevertheless the gift itself of grace is from the holy ghost which is meant by the words the charity of god is poured forth in our hearts by the holy ghost reply to objection three although the son can be known by us according to other effects yet neither does he dwell in us nor is he possessed by us according to those effects reply to objection four the working of miracles manifests sanctifying grace as also does the gift of prophecy and any other gratuitous graces hence gratuitous grace is called the manifestation of the spirit so the holy ghost is said to be given to the apostles for the working of miracles because sanctifying grace was given to them with the outward sign were the sign only of sanctifying grace given to them without the grace itself it would not be simply said that the holy ghost was given except with some qualifying term just as we read of certain ones receiving the gift of the spirit of prophecy or of miracles as having from the holy ghost the power of prophesying or of working miracles fourth article whether the father can be fittingly sent 
Objection 1. It would seem that it is fitting also that the Father should be sent. For being sent means that the divine person is given, but the Father gives himself, since he can only be possessed by his giving himself. Therefore it can be said that the Father sends himself. Objection 2. Further, the divine person is sent according to the indwelling of grace. But by grace the whole Trinity dwells in us according to John. We will come to him and make our abode with him. Therefore each one of the divine persons is sent. Objection 3. Further, whatever belongs to one person belongs to them all, except the notions and persons but mission does not signify any person nor even a notion since there are only five notions as stated above therefore every divine person can be sent on the contrary augustine says the father alone is never described as being sent i answer that the very idea of mission means procession from another and in God it means procession according to origin, as above expounded. Hence, as the Father is not from another, in no way is it fitting for Him to be sent. But this can only belong to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, to whom it belongs to be from another. Reply to Objection 1. In the sense of giving as a free bestowal of something, the Father gives himself as freely bestowing himself to be enjoyed by the creature. But as implying the authority of the giver as regards what is given, to be given only implies in God to the person who is from another, and the same as regards being sent. Reply to Objection 2. Although the effect of grace is also from the Father, who dwells in us by grace, just as the Son and the Holy Ghost, still he is not described as being sent, for he is not from another. Thus Augustine says that the Father, when known by any one in time, is not said to be sent, for there is no one whence he is, or from whom he proceeds. Reply to Objection 3. Mission, meaning procession from the sender, includes the signification of a notion, not of a special notion, but in general. Thus, to be from another is common to two of the notions. Fifth article, whether it is fitting for the Son to be sent invisibly. Objection 1. It would seem that it is not fitting for the Son to be sent invisibly. For invisible mission of the divine person is according to the gift of grace. But all gifts of grace belong to the Holy Ghost, according to Corinthians 1, and the same Spirit worketh all things. Therefore only the Holy Ghost is sent invisibly. Objection 2. Further, the mission of the divine person is according to sanctifying grace, but the gifts belonging to the perfection of the intellect are not gifts of sanctifying grace, since they can be held without the gift of charity. According to Corinthians, if I should have prophecy and should know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I should have all faith so that I could move mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Therefore, since the Son proceeds as the word of the intellect, it seems unfitting for him to be sent invisibly. 
Objection 3. Further, the mission of the divine person is a procession as expounded above. But the procession of the Son and of the Holy Ghost differ from each other. Therefore, they are distinct missions if both are sent. And then one of them would be superfluous, since one would suffice for the creature's sanctification. On the contrary, it is said of divine wisdom, Send her from heaven to thy saints, and from the seat of thy greatness. I answer that the whole Trinity dwells in the mind by sanctifying grace, according to John. We will come to him and will make our abode with him. But that a divine person be sent to anyone by invisible grace signifies both that this person dwells in a new way within him and that he has his origin from another. Hence, since both to the Son and to the Holy Ghost it belongs to dwell in the soul by grace and to be from another, it therefore belongs to both of them to be invisibly sent. As to the Father, though he dwells in us by grace, still it does not belong to him to be from another, and consequently he is not sent. Reply to Objection 1. Although all the gifts considered as such are attributed to the Holy Ghost, forasmuch as he is by his nature the first gift, since he is love, as stated above, some gifts, nevertheless, by reason of their own particular nature, are appropriated in a certain way to the Son, those namely which belong to the intellect, and respect of which we speak of the mission of the Son. Hence Augustine says that the Son is sent to anyone invisibly, whenever he is known and perceived by anyone. Reply to Objection 2. The soul is made like to God by grace. Hence, for a divine person to be sent to anyone by grace, there must needs be a likening of the soul to the divine person who is sent by some gift of grace. Because the Holy Ghost is love, the soul is assimilated to the Holy Ghost by the gift of charity. Hence, the mission of the Holy Ghost is according to the mode of charity. Whereas the Son is the Word, not any sort of Word, but one who breathes forth love. Hence, Augustine says, The Word we speak is of knowledge with love. Thus, the Son is sent not in accordance with every and any kind of intellectual perfection, but according to the intellectual illumination which breaks forth into the affection of love, as is said, Everyone that hath heard from the Father and hath learned cometh to me, and in my meditation a fire shall flame forth. Thus Augustine plainly says, The Son is sent whenever he is known and perceived by anyone. Now perception implies a certain experimental knowledge, and this is properly called wisdom, as it were a sweet knowledge. According to Ecclesiasticus, the wisdom of doctrine is according to her name. Reply to Objection 3. Since mission implies the origin of the person who is sent and his indwelling by grace, as explained above, if we speak of mission according to origin, in this sense the Son's mission is distinguished from the mission of the Holy Ghost, as generation is distinguished from procession. If we consider mission as regards the effect of grace, 
In this sense, the two missions are united in the root which is grace, but are distinguished in the effects of grace, which consists in the illumination of the intellect and the kindling of the affection. Thus, it is manifest that one mission cannot be without the other, because neither takes place without sanctifying grace, nor is one person separated from the other. Sixth article, whether the invisible mission is to all who participate grace. Objection 1. It would seem that the invisible mission is not to all who participate grace. For the fathers of the Old Testament had their share of grace, yet to them was made no invisible mission. For it is said, the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore the invisible mission is not to all partakers in grace. Objection 2. Further, progress in virtue is only by grace. But the invisible mission is not according to progress in virtue, because progress in virtue is continuous, since charity ever increases or decreases, and thus the mission would be continuous. Therefore the invisible mission is not to all who share in grace. Objection 3. Further, Christ and the blessed have fullness of grace, but mission is not to them, for mission implies distance, whereas Christ as man and all the blessed are perfectly united to God. Therefore, the invisible mission is not to all sharers in grace. And objection 4. Further, the sacraments of the new law contain grace, and it is not said that the invisible mission is sent to them. Therefore, the invisible mission is not to all that have grace. On the contrary, according to Augustine, the invisible mission is for the creature's sanctification. Now every creature that has grace is sanctified. Therefore, the invisible mission is to every such creature. I answer that as stated above, mission in its very meaning implies that he who is sent either begins to exist where he was not before, as occurs to creatures, or begins to exist where he was before, but in a new way, in which sense mission is ascribed to the divine persons. Thus mission, as regards the one to whom it is sent, implies two things, the indwelling of grace and a certain renewal by grace. Thus the invisible mission is sent to all in whom are to be found these two conditions. Reply to Objection 1. The invisible mission was directed to the Old Testament fathers, as appears from what Augustine says, that the invisible mission of the Son is in man and with men. This was done in former times with the fathers and the prophets. Thus the words, the Spirit was not yet given, are to be applied to that giving accompanied with a visible sign which took place on the day of Pentecost. Reply to Objection 2. The invisible mission takes place also as regards progress and virtue or increase of grace. Hence Augustine says that the Son is sent to each one when he is known and perceived by any one, so far as he can be known and perceived according to the capacity of the soul, whether journeying toward God or united perfectly to him. 
such invisible mission however chiefly occurs as regards any one's proficiency in the performance of a new act or in the acquisition of a new state of grace as for example the proficiency in reference to the gift of miracles or of prophecy or in the fervor of charity leading a man to expose himself to the danger of martyrdom or to renounce his possessions or to undertake any arduous work reply to objection three the invisible mission is directed to the blessed at the very beginning of their beatitude the invisible mission is made to them subsequently not by intensity of grace but by the further revelation of mysteries which goes on till the day of judgment such an increase is by the extension of grace because it extends to a greater number of objects to christ the invisible mission was sent at the first moment of his conception but not afterwards since from the beginning of his conception he was filled with all wisdom and grace reply to objection four grace resides instrumentally in the sacraments of the new law as the form of a thing designed resides in the instruments of the art designing according to a process flowing from the agent to the passive object but mission is only spoken of as directed to its term hence the mission of the divine person is not sent to the sacraments but to those who receive grace through the sacraments seventh article whether it is fitting for the holy ghost to be sent visibly objection one it would seem that the holy ghost is not fittingly sent in a visible manner for the son as visibly sent to the world is said to be less than the father but the holy ghost is never said to be less than the father therefore the holy ghost is not fittingly sent in the visible manner objection to further the visible mission takes place by way of union to a visible creature as the son's mission according to the flesh but the holy ghost did not assume any visible creature and hence it cannot be said that he exists otherwise in some creatures than in others unless perhaps as in a sign as he is also present in the sacraments and in all the figures of the law thus the holy ghost is either not sent visibly at all or his visible mission takes place in all these things objection three further every visible creature is an effect showing forth the whole trinity therefore the holy ghost is not sent by reason of those visible creatures more than any other person objection four further the son was visibly sent by reason of the noblest kind of creature namely the human nature therefore if the holy ghost is sent visibly he ought to be sent by reason of rational creatures objection five further whatever is done visibly by god is dispensed by the ministry of the angels as augustine says so visible appearances if there have been any came by means of the angels thus the angels are sent and not the holy ghost and objection six further the holy ghost being sent in a visible manner is only for the purpose of manifesting the invisible mission as invisible things are made known by the visible so those to whom the invisible mission was not sent ought not to receive the visible mission and to all who received the invisible mission whether in the new or in the old testament the visible mission ought likewise to be sent and this is clearly false therefore the holy ghost is not sent visibly on the contrary 
It is said that when our Lord was baptized, the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the shape of a dove. I answer that God provides for all things according to the nature of each thing. Now the nature of man requires that he be led to the invisible by visible things, as explained above. Wherefore the invisible things of God must be made manifest to man by the things that are visible. As God, therefore, in a certain way has demonstrated himself and his eternal processions to men by visible creatures according to certain signs, so was it fitting that the invisible missions also of the divine persons should be made manifest by some visible creatures. This mode of manifestation applies in different ways to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. For it belongs to the Holy Ghost who proceeds as love to be the gift of sanctification. To the Son as the principle of the Holy Ghost it belongs to the author of this sanctification. Thus the Son has been sent visibly as the author of sanctification, the Holy Ghost as the sign of sanctification. Reply to Objection 1. The Son assumed the visible creature wherein he appeared into the unity of his person, so that whatever can be said of that creature can be said of the Son of God. And so by reason of the nature assumed, the Son is called less than the Father, but the Holy Ghost did not assume the visible creature in which he appeared into the unity of his person, so that what is said of it cannot be predicated of him. Hence he cannot be called less than the Father by reason of any visible creature. Reply to Objection 2. The visible mission of the Holy Ghost does not apply to the imaginary vision which is that of prophecy, because, as Augustine says, the prophetic vision is not displayed to corporeal eyes by corporeal shapes, but is shown in the spirit by the spiritual images of bodies. But whoever saw the dove and the fire saw them by their eyes. Nor again has the Holy Ghost the same relation to these images that the sun has to the rock, because it is said the rock was Christ, for that rock was already created, and after the manner of an action was named Christ, whom it typified, Whereas the dove and the fire suddenly appeared to signify only what was happening. They seem, however, to be like to the flame of the burning bush seen by Moses and to the column which the people followed in the desert and to the lightning and thunder issuing forth when the law was given on the mountain. For the purpose of the bodily appearances of those things was that they might signify and then pass away. Thus the visible mission is neither displayed by prophetic vision, which belongs to the imagination and not to the body, nor by the sacramental signs of the Old and New Testament, wherein certain pre-existing things are employed to signify something. But the Holy Ghost is said to be sent visibly inasmuch as he showed himself in certain creatures as in signs especially made for that purpose. Reply to Objection 3. 
although the whole trinity makes those creatures still they are made in order to show forth in some special way this or that person for as the father son and holy ghost are signified by diverse names so also can they each one be signified by different things although neither separation nor diversity exists amongst them reply to objection four it was necessary for the son to be declared as the author of sanctification as explained above thus the visible mission of the son was necessarily made according to the rational nature to which it belongs to act and which is capable of sanctification whereas any other creature could be the sign of sanctification nor was such a visible creature formed for such a purpose necessarily assumed by the holy ghost into the unity of his person since it was not assumed or used for the purpose of action but only for the purpose of a sign and so likewise it was not required to last beyond what its use required reply to objection five those visible creatures were formed by the ministry of the angels not to signify the person of an angel but to signify the person of the holy ghost thus as the holy ghost resided in those visible creatures as the one signified in the sign on that account the holy ghost is said to be sent visibly and not as an angel reply to objection six it is not necessary that the invisible mission should always be made manifest by some visible external sign but as is said the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man unto profit that is of the church this utility consists in the confirmation and propagation of the faith by such visible signs this has been done chiefly by christ and by the apostles according to hebrews which having begun to be declared by the lord was confirmed unto us by them that heard thus in a special sense a mission of the holy ghost was directed to christ to the apostles and to some of the early saints on whom the church was in a way founded in such a manner however that the visible mission made to christ should show forth the invisible mission made to him not at that particular time but at the first moment of his conception the visible mission was directed to christ at the time of his baptism by the figure of a dove a fruitful animal to show forth in christ the authority of the giver of grace by spiritual regeneration hence the father's voice spoke this is my beloved son that others might be regenerated to the likeness of the only begotten the transfiguration showed it forth in the appearance of a bright cloud to show the exuberance of doctrine and hence it was said hear ye him to the apostles the mission was directed in the form of breathing to show forth the power of their ministry in the dispensation of the sacraments and hence it was said whose sins you shall forgive they are forgiven and again under the sign of fiery tongues to show forth the office of teaching whence it is said that they began to speak with diverse tongues the visible mission of the holy ghost was fittingly not sent to the fathers of the old testament because the visible mission of the son 
was to be accomplished before that of the Holy Ghost. Since the Holy Ghost manifests the Son as the Son manifests the Father. Visible apparitions of the divine persons were, however, given to the fathers of the Old Testament, which indeed cannot be called visible missions, because, according to Augustine, they were not sent to designate the indwelling of the divine person by grace, but for the manifestation of something else. Eighth article. Whether a divine person is sent only by the person whence he proceeds eternally. Objection 1. It would seem that a divine person is sent only by the one whence he proceeds eternally. For as Augustine says, the Father is sent by no one because he is from no one. Therefore, if a divine person is sent by another, he must be from that other. Objection 2. Further, the sender has authority over the one sent, but there can be no authority as regards a divine person except from origin. Therefore, the divine person sent must proceed from the one sending. Objection 3. Further, if a divine person can be sent by one whence he does not proceed, then the Holy Ghost may be given by a man, although he proceeds not from him, which is contrary to what Augustine says. Therefore, the divine person is sent only by the one whence he proceeds. On the contrary, the Son is sent by the Holy Ghost. According to Isaiah, now the Lord God hath sent me and his Spirit, but the Son is not from the Holy Ghost. Therefore a divine person is sent by one from whom he does not proceed. I answer that there are different opinions on this point. Some say that the divine person is sent only by the one whence he proceeds eternally, and so when it is said that the Son of God is sent by the Holy Ghost, this is to be explained as regards his human nature, by reason of which he was sent to preach by the Holy Ghost. Augustine, however, says that the Son is sent by himself and by the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is sent by himself and by the Son so that to be sent in God does not apply to each person, but only to the person proceeding from another, whereas to send belongs to each person. There is some truth in both of these opinions. Because when a person is described as being sent, the person himself existing from another is designated with a visible or invisible effect applicable to the mission of the divine person. Thus, if the sender be designated as the principle of the person sent, in this sense, not each person sends, but that person only who is the principle of that person who is sent. And thus the Son is sent only by the Father, and the Holy Ghost by the Father and the Son. If, however, the person sending is understood as the principle of the effect implied in the mission, in that sense, the whole Trinity sends the person sent. This reason does not prove that a man can send the Holy Ghost, forasmuch as man cannot cause the effect of grace. The answers to the objections appear from the above. The end of question 43. Question 44 of Summa Theologica Pars Prima Trinity and Creation. This is a LibriVox recording. 
All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Jim Ruddy. Summa Theologica Pars Prima Trinity and Creation by St. Thomas Aquinas, translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 44. The procession of creatures from God and of the first cause of all things. After treating of the procession of the divine persons, we must consider the procession of creatures from God. This consideration will be threefold. Of the production of creatures, of the distinction between them, of their preservation and government. Concerning the first point, there are three things to be considered. The first cause of beings, the mode of procession of creatures from the first cause, and the principle of the duration of things. Under the first head, there are four points of inquiry. Whether God is the efficient cause of all beings, whether primary matter is created by God or is an independent coordinate principle with Him, whether God is the exemplar cause of beings or whether there are other exemplar causes, and whether He is the final cause of things. First article, whether it is necessary that every being be created by God. Objection 1. It would seem that it is not necessary that every being be created by God, for there is nothing to prevent a thing from being without that which does not belong to its essence, as a man can be found without whiteness. But the relation of the thing caused to its cause does not appear to be essential to beings, for some beings can be understood without it therefore they can exist without it and therefore it is possible that some beings should not be created by god objection two further a thing requires an efficient cause in order to exist therefore whatever cannot but exist does not require an efficient cause but no necessary thing cannot exist, because whatever necessarily exists cannot but exist. Therefore, as there are many necessary things in existence, it appears that not all beings are from God. And objection three. Further, whatever things have a cause can be demonstrated by that cause. But in mathematics, demonstration is not made by the efficient cause, as appears from the philosopher. Therefore, not all beings are from God as from their efficient cause. On the contrary, it is said, Of him, and by him, and in him are all things. I answer that it must be said that every being in any way existing is from God. For whatever is found in anything by participation must be caused in it by that to which it belongs essentially, as iron becomes ignited by fire. Now it has been shown above, when treating of the divine simplicity, that God is the essentially self-subsisting being, and also it was shown that subsisting being must be one. As if whiteness were self-subsisting, it would be one, since whiteness is multiplied by its recipients. Therefore all beings apart from God are not their own being, but are beings by participation. Therefore it must be 
that all things which are diversified by the diverse participation of being, so as to be more or less perfect, are caused by one first being who possesses being most perfectly. Hence Plato said that unity must come before multitude, and Aristotle said that whatever is greatest in being and greatest in truth is the cause of every being and of every truth, just as whatever is the greatest in heat is the cause of all heat. I reply to objection one. Though the relation to its cause is not part of the definition of a thing caused, still it follows as a consequence on what belongs to its essence, because from the fact that a thing has being by participation, it follows that it is caused. Hence such a being cannot be without being caused, just as man cannot be without having the faculty of laughing. But since to be caused does not enter into the essence of being as such, therefore it is possible for us to find a being uncaused. Reply to Objection 2. This objection has led some to say that what is necessary has no cause, but this is manifestly false in the demonstrative sciences where necessary principles are the causes of necessary conclusions. And therefore Aristotle says that there are some necessary things which have a cause of their necessity. But the reason why an efficient cause is required is not merely because the effect is not necessary, but because the effect might not be if the cause were not. For this conditional proposition is true, whether the antecedent and consequent be possible or impossible. Reply to Objection 3. The science of mathematics treats its object as though it were something abstracted mentally, whereas it is not abstract in reality. Now it is becoming that everything should have an efficient cause in proportion to its being. And so, although the object of mathematics has an efficient cause, still its relation to that cause is not the reason why it is brought under the consideration of the mathematician, who therefore does not demonstrate that object from its efficient cause. Second article, whether primary matter is created by God. Objection 1. It would seem that primary matter is not created by God. For whatever is made is composed of a subject and of something else. But primary matter has no subject. Therefore primary matter cannot have been made by God. Objection to further action and passion are opposite members of a division. But as the first active principle is God, so the first passive principle is matter. Therefore God and primary matter are two principles divided against each other, neither of which is from the other. Objection 3. Further, every agent produces its like, and thus since every agent acts in proportion to its actuality, it follows that everything made is in some degree actual, but primary matter is only in potentiality, formally considered in itself. Therefore it is against the nature of primary matter to be a thing made. On the contrary, Augustine says, Two things hast thou made, O Lord, one nigh unto thyself, namely angels, the other nigh unto nothing, namely primary matter. I answer that the ancient philosophers gradually and, as it were, step by step, 
advanced to the knowledge of truth. At first, being of grosser mind, they failed to realize that any beings existed except sensible bodies. And those among them who admitted movement did not consider it except as regards certain accidents, for instance, in relation to rarefaction and condensation by union and separation. And supposing as they did that corporeal substance itself was uncreated, they assigned certain causes for these accidental changes, as for instance affinity, discord, intellect, or something of that kind. An advance was made when they understood that there was a distinction between the substantial form and matter, which latter they imagined to be uncreated, and when they perceived transmutation to take place in bodies in regard to essential forms, such transmutations they attributed to certain universal causes, such as the oblique circle, or ideas according to Plato. But we must take into consideration that matter is contracted by its form to a determinate species as a substance belonging to a certain species is contracted by a supervening accident to a determinate mode of being, for instance, man by whiteness. Each of these opinions, therefore, considered being under some particular aspect, either as this or as such, and so they assigned particular efficient causes to things. Then others there were who arose to the consideration of being, as being, and to assign a cause to things, not as these or as such, but as beings. Therefore, whatever is the cause of things considered as beings must be the cause of things not only according as they are such by accidental forms, nor according as they are these by substantial forms, but also according to all that belongs to their being at all in any way. And thus it is necessary to say that also prime matter is created by the universal cause of things. Reply to Objection 1. The philosopher is speaking of becoming in particular, that is, from form to form, either accidental or substantial. But here we are speaking of things according to their emanation from the universal principle of being from which emanation matter itself is not excluded, although it is excluded from the former mode of being made. Reply to Objection 2. Passion is an effective action. Hence it is reasonable that the first passive principle should be the effect of the first active principle, since every imperfect thing is caused by one perfect, for the first principle must be most perfect, as Aristotle says. Reply to Objection 3. The reason adduced does not show that matter is not created, but that it is not created without form. For though everything created is actual, still it is not pure act. Hence it is necessary that even what is potential in it should be created, if all that belongs to its being is created. Third article, whether the exemplar cause is anything besides God. Objection 1. It would seem that the exemplar cause is something besides God. For the effect is like its exemplar cause. But creatures are far from being like God. Therefore God is not their exemplar cause. 
Objection 2. Further, whatever is by participation is reduced to something self-existing, as a thing ignited is reduced to fire, as stated above. But whatever exists in sensible things exists only by participation of some species. This appears from the fact that in all sensible species is found not only what belongs to the species, but also individuating principles added to the principles of the species. Therefore, it is necessary to admit self-existing species, as, for instance, a per se man and a per se horse and the like, which are called the exemplars. Therefore, exemplar causes exist besides God. Objection 3. Further sciences and definitions are concerned with species themselves, but not as these are in particular things, because there is no science of or definition of particular things. Therefore there are some beings which are beings or species not existing in singular things, and these are called exemplars. Therefore the same conclusion follows as above. And objection 4. Further, this likeness appears from Dionysius, who says that self-subsisting being is before self-subsisting life and before self-subsisting wisdom. On the contrary, the exemplar is the same as the idea. But ideas, according to Augustine, are the master forms which are contained in the divine intelligence. Therefore, the exemplars of things are not outside God. I answer that God is the first exemplar cause of all things, in proof whereof we must consider that if for the production of anything an exemplar is necessary, it is in order that the effect may receive a determinate form. For an artificer produces a determinate form in matter by reason of the exemplar before him, whether it is the exemplar beheld externally or the exemplar interiorly conceived in the mind. Now it is manifest that things made by nature receive determinate forms. This determination of forms must be reduced to the divine wisdom as its first principle. For divine wisdom devised the order of the universe, which order consists in the variety of things. And therefore we must say that in the divine wisdom are the types of all things which types we have called ideas, that is, exemplar forms existing in the divine mind. And these ideas, though multiplied by their relation to things, in reality are not apart from the divine essence, according as the likeness to that essence can be shared diversely by different things. In this manner, therefore, God himself is the first exemplar of all things. Moreover, in things created, one may be called the exemplar of another by the reason of its likeness thereto, either in species or by the analogy of some kind of imitation. Reply to objection 1. Although creatures do not attain to a natural likeness to God according to similitude of species, as a man begotten is like to the man begetting, still they do attain to likeness to him forasmuch as they represent the divine idea as a material house is like to the house and the architect's mind. Reply to Objection 2. It is of a man's nature to be in matter, and so a man without matter is impossible. 
Therefore, although this particular man is a man by participation of the species, he cannot be reduced to anything self-existing in the same species, but to a superior species, such as separate substances. The same applies to other sensible things. Reply to Objection 3. Although every science and definition is concerned only with beings, still it is not necessary that a thing should have the same mode in reality as the thought of it has in our understanding. For we abstract universal ideas by force of the active intellect from the particular conditions. But it is not necessary that the universals should exist outside the particulars in order to be their exemplars. Reply to Objection 4. As Dionysius says, by self-existing life and self-existing wisdom, he sometimes denotes God himself, sometimes the powers given to things themselves, but not any self-subsisting things, as the ancients asserted. Fourth article, whether God is the final cause of all things. Objection 1. It would seem that God is not the final cause of all things. For to act for an end seems to imply need of the end, but God needs nothing. Therefore it does not become him to act for an end. Objection to further the end of generation and the form of the thing generated and the agent cannot be identical because the end of generation is the form of the thing generated but God is the first agent producing all things therefore he is not the final cause of all things. Objection 3 further all things desire their end but all things do not desire God for all do not even know him Therefore, God is not the end of all things. And objection 4. Further, the final cause is the first of causes. If therefore God is the efficient cause and the final cause, it follows that before and after exist in Him, which is impossible. On the contrary, it is said, The Lord has made all things for Himself. I answer that every agent acts for an end. Otherwise, one thing would not follow more than another from the action of the agent, unless it were by chance. Now the end of the agent and of the patient considered as such is the same, but in a different way, respectively. For the impression which the agent intends to produce and which the patient intends to receive are one and the same. Some things, however, are both agent and patient at the same time. These are imperfect agents and to these it belongs to intend, even while acting, the acquisition of something. But it does not belong to the first agent, who is agent only, to act for the acquisition of some end. He intends only to communicate his perfection, which is his goodness, while every creature intends to acquire its own perfection, which is the likeness of the divine perfection and goodness. Therefore the divine goodness is the end of all things. Reply to objection 1. To act from need belongs only to an imperfect agent, which by its nature is both agent and patient. But this does not belong to God, and therefore he alone is the most perfectly liberal giver, because he does not act for his own profit, but only for his own goodness. Reply to objection 2. The form of the thing generated is not the end of generation, except inasmuch as it is the likeness of the form of the generator, 
which intends to communicate its own likeness. Otherwise the form of the thing generated would be more noble than the generator, since the end is more noble than the means to the end. Reply to Objection 3. All things desire God as their end when they desire some good thing, whether this desire be intellectual or sensible, or natural, that is, without knowledge. Because nothing is good and desirable except for as much as it participates in the likeness to God. And reply to objection 4. Since God is the efficient, the exemplar, and the final cause of all things, and since primary matter is from Him, it follows that the first principle of all things is one in reality. But this does not prevent us from mentally considering many things in Him, some of which come into our mind before others. The end of question 44. Question 45 of Summa Theologica Pars Prima Trinity and Creation. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Jim Ruddy. Summa Theologica Pars Prima Trinity and Creation by St. Thomas Aquinas translated by the fathers of the english dominican province question forty five the mode of emanation of things from the first principle the next question concerns the mode of the emanation of things from the first principle and this is called creation and includes eight points of inquiry what is creation whether God can create anything, whether creation is anything in the very nature of things, to what things it belongs to be created, whether it belongs to God alone to create, whether creation is common to the whole Trinity or proper to any one person, whether any trace of the Trinity is to be found in created things, and whether the work of creation is mingled with the works of nature and of the will. First article, whether to create is to make something from nothing. Objection 1. It would seem that to create is not to make anything from nothing. For Augustine says, to make concerns what did not exist at all, but to create is to make something by bringing forth something from what was already. Objection 2. Further, the nobility of action and of motion is considered from their terms. Action is therefore nobler from good to good and from being to being than from nothing to something. But creation appears to be the most noble action and first among all actions. Therefore, it is not from nothing to something, but rather from being to being. And objection three. Further, the preposition from imports relation of some cause, and especially of the material cause, as when we say that a statue is made from brass. But nothing cannot be the matter of being, nor in any way its cause. Therefore, to create is not to make something from nothing. On the contrary, on the text of Genesis, in the beginning God created, and so forth, the gloss has to create is to make something from nothing. I answer 
that as said above we must consider not only the emanation of a particular being from a particular agent but also the emanation of all being from the universal cause which is god and this emanation we designate by the name of creation now what proceeds by particular emanation is not presupposed to that emanation as when a man is generated he was not before but man is made from not man and white from not white hence if the emanation of the whole universal being from the first principle be considered it is impossible that any being should be presupposed before this emanation for nothing is the same as no being therefore as the generation of a man is from the not being which is not man so creation which is the emanation of all being is from the not being which is nothing reply to objection one augustine uses the word creation in an equivocal sense according as to be created signifies improvement in things as when we say that a bishop is created we do not however speak of creation in that way here but as it is described above reply to objection to changes receive species and dignity not from the term wherefrom but from the term whereto therefore a change is more perfect and excellent when the term whereto of the change is more noble and excellent although the term wherefrom corresponding to the term whereto may be more imperfect thus generation is simply nobler and more excellent than alteration because the substantial form is nobler than the accidental form and yet the privation of the substantial form which is the term wherefrom in generation is more imperfect than the contrary which is the term wherefrom in alteration similarly creation is more perfect and excellent than generation and alteration because the term whereto is the whole substance of the thing whereas what is understood as the term wherefrom is simply not being reply to objection three when anything is said to be made from nothing this preposition from does not signify the material cause but only order as when we say from morning comes midday after morning is midday but we must understand that this preposition from can comprise the negation implied when i say the word nothing or can be included in it if taken in the first sense then we affirm the order by stating the relation between what is now and its previous non-existence but if the negation includes the preposition then the order is denied and the sense is it is made from nothing that is it is not made from anything as if we were to say he speaks of nothing because he does not speak of anything and this is verified in both ways when it is said that anything is made from nothing but in the first way this preposition from implies order as has been said in this reply in the second sense it imports the material cause which is denied second article whether god can create anything objection one it would seem that god cannot create anything because according to the philosopher the ancient philosophers considered it as a commonly received axiom that nothing is made from nothing but the power of god does not extend to the contraries of first principles as for instance that god could make the whole to be less than its part or that affirmation and negation are both true at the same time therefore god cannot make anything from nothing or create 
Obj. 2. Further, if to create is to make something from nothing, to be created is to be made. But to be made is to be changed. Therefore, creation is change. But every change occurs in some subject, as appears by the definition of movement. For movement is the act of what is in potentiality. Therefore, it is impossible for anything to be made out of nothing by God. Objection 3. Further, what has been made must have at some time been becoming. But it cannot be said that what is created at the same time is becoming and has been made, because in permanent things what is becoming is not, and what has been made already is. And so it would follow that something would be and not be at the same time. Therefore, when anything is made, its becoming precedes its having been made. But this is impossible unless there is a subject in which the becoming is sustained. Therefore, it is impossible that anything should be made from nothing. And objection four. Further, infinite distance cannot be crossed, but infinite distance exists between being and nothing. Therefore, it does not happen that something is made from nothing. On the contrary, it is said, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. I answer that not only is it not impossible that anything should be created by God, but it is necessary to say that all things were created by God, as appears from what has been said. For when anyone makes one thing from another, this latter thing from which he makes is presupposed to his action and is not produced by his action. Thus the craftsman works from natural things as wood or brass, which are caused not by the action of art, but by the action of nature. So also nature itself causes natural things as regards their form, but presupposes matter. If therefore God did only act from something presupposed, it would follow that the thing presupposed would not be caused by him. Now it has been shown above that nothing can be unless it is from God, who is the universal cause of all being. Hence it is necessary to say that God brings things into being from nothing. Reply to Objection 1. Ancient philosophers, as is said above, considered only the emanation of particular effects from particular causes, which necessarily presuppose something in their action. Whence came their common opinion that nothing is made from nothing. But this has no place in the first emanation from the universal principle of things. Reply to Objection 2. Creation is not change, except according to a mode of understanding, for change means that the same something should be different now from what it was previously. Sometimes, indeed, the same actual thing is different now from what it was before, as in motion according to quantity, quality, and place. But sometimes it is the same being only in potentiality, as in substantial change, the subject of which is matter. But in creation, by which the whole substance of a thing is produced, the same thing can be taken as different now and before, only according to our way of understanding, so that a thing is understood as first not existing at all, and afterwards as existing. But as action and passion coincide as to the substance of motion, and differ only according to diverse relations, it must follow that when motion is withdrawn, only diverse relations remain in the creator and in the creature. 
but because the mode of signification follows the mode of understanding as was said above creation is signified by mode of change and on this account it is said that to create is to make something from nothing and yet to make and to be made are more suitable expressions here than to change and to be changed because to make and to be made import a relation of cause to the effect and of effect to the cause and imply change only as a consequence reply to objection three in things which are made without movement to become and to be already made are simultaneously whether such making is the term of movement as illumination for a thing is being illuminated and is illuminated at the same time or whether it is not the term of movement as the word is being made in the mind and is made at the same time in these things what is being made is but when we speak of its being made we mean that it is from another and was not previously hence since creation is without movement a thing is being created and is already created at the same time reply to objection four this objection proceeds from a false imagination as if there were an infinite medium between nothing and being which is plainly false this false imagination comes from creation being taken to signify a change existing between two forms third article whether creation is anything in the creature objection one it would seem that creation is not anything in the creature for as creation taken in a passive sense is attributed to the creature so creation taken in an active sense is attributed to the creator but creation taken actively is not anything in the creator because otherwise it would follow that in god there would be something temporal therefore creation taken passively is not anything in the creature objection to further there is no medium between the creator and the creature but creation is signified as the medium between them both since it is not the creator as it is not eternal nor is it the creature because in that case it would be necessary for the same reason to suppose another creation to create it and so on to infinity therefore creation is not anything in the creature objection three further if creation is anything besides the created substance it must be an accident belonging to it but every accident is in a subject therefore a thing created would be the subject of creation and so the same thing would be the subject and also the term of creation this is impossible because the subject is before the accident and preserves the accident while the term is after the action and passion whose term it is and as soon as it exists action and passion cease therefore creation itself is not anything on the contrary it is greater for a thing to be made according to its entire substance than to be made according to its substantial or accidental form but generation taken simply or relatively whereby anything is made according to the substantial or the accidental form is something in the thing generated therefore much more is creation whereby a thing is made according to its whole substance something in the thing created i answer that creation places something in the thing created according to relation only because what is created is not made by movement or by change for what is made by movement or by change is made from something pre-existing 
and this happens indeed in the particular productions of some beings but cannot happen in the production of all being by the universal cause of all beings which is god hence god by creation produces things without movement now when movement is removed from action and passion only relation remains as was said above hence creation in the creature is only a certain relation to the creator as to the principle of its being even as in passion which implies movement is implied a relation to the principle of motion reply to objection one creation signified actively means the divine action which is god's essence with a relation to the creature but in God, relation to the creature is not a real relation, but only a relation of reason, whereas the relation of the creature to God is a real relation, as was said above in treating of the divine names. Reply to Objection 2. Because creation is signified as a change, as was said above, and change is a kind of medium between the mover and the moved, therefore also creation is signified as a medium between the creator and the creature nevertheless passive creation is in the creature and is a creature nor is there need of a further creation in its creation because relations or their entire nature being referred to something are not referred by any other relations but by themselves as was also shown above in treating of the equality of the persons reply to objection three the creature is the term of creation as signifying a change but is the subject of creation taken as a real relation and is prior to it in being as the subject is to the accident nevertheless creation has a certain aspect of priority on the part of the object to which it is directed which is the beginning of the creature nor is it necessary that as long as the creature is it should be created because creation imports a relation of the creature to the creator with a certain newness or beginning fourth article whether to be created belongs to composite and subsisting things objection one it would seem that to be created does not belong to composite and subsisting things for in the book De Causis it is said, the first of creatures is being. But the being of a thing created is not subsisting. Therefore creation, properly speaking, does not belong to subsisting and composite things. Objection two. Further, whatever is created is from nothing. But composite things are not from nothing, but are the result of their own component parts. Therefore composite things are not created objection three further what is presupposed in the second emanation is properly produced by the first as natural generation produces the natural thing which is presupposed in the operation of art but the thing supposed in natural generation is matter therefore matter and not the composite is properly speaking that which is created on the contrary it is said in the beginning god created heaven and earth but heaven and earth are subsisting composite things therefore creation belongs to them i answer to be created is in a manner to be made as was shown above now to be made is directed to the being of a thing hence to be made and to be created properly belong to whatever being belongs which indeed 
belongs properly to subsisting things, whether they are simple things, as in the case of separate substances, or composite, as in the case of material substances. For being belongs to that which has being, that is, to what subsists in its own being. But forms and accidents and the like are called beings not as if they themselves were, but because something is by them, as whiteness is called a being, inasmuch as its subject is white by it. Hence, according to the philosopher, accident is more properly said to be of a being than a being. Therefore, as accidents and forms and the like, non-subsisting things, are to be said to coexist rather than to exist, so they ought to be called rather concreated than created things, whereas, properly speaking, created things are subsisting beings. Reply to Objection 1. In the proposition, the first of created things is being, the word being does not refer to the subject of creation, but to the proper concept of the object of creation. For a created thing is called created because it is a being, not because it is this being, since creation is the emanation of all being from the universal being, as was said above. We use a similar way of speaking when we say that the first visible thing is color, although strictly speaking the thing colored is what is seen. Reply to Objection 2. Creation does not mean the building up of a composite thing from pre-existing principles, but it means that the composite is created so that it is brought into being at the same time with all its principles. And reply to objection 3. This reason does not prove that matter alone is created, but that matter does not exist except by creation, for creation is the production of the whole being, and not only matter. Fifth article, whether it belongs to God alone to create objection one it would seem that it does not belong to god alone to create because according to the philosopher what is perfect can make its own likeness but immaterial creatures are more perfect than material creatures which nevertheless can make their own likeness for fire generates fire and man begats man therefore an immaterial substance can make a substance like to itself but immaterial substance can be made only by creation, since it has no matter from which to be made. Therefore, a creature can create. Objection two: Further, the greater the resistance is on the part of the thing made, so much the greater power is required in the maker. But a contrary resists more than nothing. Therefore, it requires more power to make something from its contrary, which nevertheless a creature can do, than to make a thing from nothing. Much more, therefore, can a creature do this. And objection three. Further, the power of the maker is considered according to the measure of what is made. But created being is finite, as we proved above when treating of the infinity of God. Therefore, only a finite power is needed to produce a creature by creation. But to have a finite power is not contrary to the nature of a creature. Therefore, it is not impossible for a creature to create. On the contrary, Augustine says that neither good nor bad angels can create anything, much less, therefore, can any other creatures. I answer that it sufficiently appears at the first glance, according to what precedes, that to create can be the action of God alone. 
For the more universal effects must be reduced to the more universal and prior causes. Now among all effects the most universal is being itself, and hence it must be the proper effect of the first and most universal cause, and that is God. Hence also it is said that neither intelligence nor the soul gives us being, except inasmuch as it works by divine operation. Now to produce being absolutely, not as this or that being, belongs to creation. Hence it is manifest that creation is the proper act of God alone. It happens, however, that something participates the proper action of another, not by its own power, but instrumentally, inasmuch as it acts by the power of another, as air can heat and ignite by the power of fire. And so some have supposed that although creation is the proper act of the universal cause, still some inferior cause acting by the power of the first cause can create. And thus Avicenna asserted that the first separate substance created by God created another after itself, and the substance of the world and its soul, and that the substance of the world creates the matter of inferior bodies. And in the same manner the Master says that God can communicate to a creature the power of creating, so that the latter can create ministerially, not by its own power, but such a thing cannot be, because the secondary instrumental cause does not participate the action of the superior cause, except inasmuch as by something proper to itself it acts dispositively to the effect of the principal agent. If therefore it effects nothing according to what is proper to itself, it is used to no, no purpose, nor would there be any need of certain instruments for certain actions. Thus we see that a saw in cutting wood, which it does by the property of its own form, produces the form of a bench, which is the proper effect of the principal agent. Now the proper effect of God creating is what is presupposed to all other effects, and that is absolute being. Hence nothing else can act dispositively and instrumentally to this effect, since creation is not from anything presupposed, which can be disposed by the action of the instrumental agent. So therefore it is impossible for any creature to create, either by its own power or instrumentally, that is, ministerially. And above all, it is absurd to suppose that a body can create, for no body acts except by touching or moving, and thus it requires in its action some pre-existing thing which can be touched or moved, which is contrary to the very idea of creation. Reply to Objection 1. A perfect thing participating any nature makes a likeness to itself not by absolutely producing that nature, but by applying it to something else. For an individual man cannot be the cause of human nature absolutely, because he would then be the cause of himself, but he is the cause of human nature being in the man begotten, and thus he presupposes in his action a determinate matter whereby he is an individual man. But as an individual man participates human nature, so every created being participates, so to speak, the nature of being. For God alone is his own being, as we have said above. Therefore no created being can produce a being absolutely, except for as much as it causes being in this thing. And so it is necessary to presuppose that whereby a thing is this thing, before the action whereby it makes its own likeness. 
but in an immaterial substance it is not possible to presuppose anything whereby it is this thing because it is what it is by its form whereby it has being since it is a subsisting form therefore an immaterial substance cannot produce another immaterial substance like to itself as regards its being but only as regards some added perfection as we may say that a superior angel illuminates an inferior as dionysius says in this way even in heaven there is paternity as the apostle says from whom all paternity in heaven and on earth is named from which evidently appears that no created being can cause anything unless something is presupposed which is against the very idea of creation a thing is made from its contrary indirectly but directly from the subject which is put in potentiality and so the contrary resists the agent inasmuch as it impedes the potentiality from the act which the agent intends to induce as fire intends to reduce the matter of water to an act like to itself but is impeded by the form and contrary dispositions whereby the potentiality of the water is restrained from being reduced to act and the more the potentiality is restrained the more power is required in the agent to reduce the matter to act hence a much greater power is required in the agent when no potentiality pre-exists thus therefore it appears that it is an act of much greater power to make a thing from nothing than from its contrary reply to objection three the power of the maker is reckoned not only from the substance of the thing made but also from the mode of its being made for a greater heat heats not only more but quicker therefore although to create a finite effect does not show an infinite power yet to create it from nothing does show an infinite power which appears from what has been said for if a greater power is required in the agent in proportion to the distance of the potentiality from the act it follows that the power of that which produces something from no presupposed potentiality is infinite because there is no proportion between no potentiality and the potentiality presupposed by the power of a natural agent as there is no proportion between not being and being and because no creature has simply an infinite power any more than it has an infinite being as was proved above it follows that no creature can create sixth article whether to create is proper to any person objection one it would seem that to create is proper to some person for what comes first is the cause of what is after and what is perfect is the cause of what is imperfect but the procession of the divine person is prior to the procession of the creature and is more perfect because the divine person proceeds in perfect similitude of its principle whereas the creature proceeds in imperfect similitude therefore the processions of the divine persons are the cause of the processions of things and so to create belongs to a person objection two further the divine persons are distinguished from each other only by their processions and relations therefore whatever difference is attributed to the divine persons belongs to them according to the processions and relations of the persons but the causation of creatures is diversely attributed to the divine persons for in the creed to the father is attributed that he is the creator of all things visible and invisible and to the son is attributed that by him all things were made and to the holy ghost is attributed that he is lord and life-giver therefore the causation of creatures belongs to the persons according to processions and relations 
and objection three further if it be said that the causation of the creature flows from some essential attribute appropriated to some one person this does not appear to be sufficient because every divine effect is caused by every essential attribute namely by power goodness and wisdom and thus does not belong to one more than to another therefore any determinate mode of causation ought not to be attributed to one person more than to another unless they are distinguished in creating according to relations and processions on the contrary dionysius says that all things caused are the common work of the whole godhead i answer that to create is properly speaking to cause or produce the being of things and as every agent produces its like the principle of action can be considered from the effect of the action for it must be fire that generates fire and therefore to create belongs to god according to his being that is his essence which is common to the three persons hence to create is not proper to any one person but is common to the whole trinity nevertheless the divine persons according to the nature of their procession have a causality respecting the creation of things for as was said above when treating of the knowledge and will of god god is the cause of things by his intellect and will just as the craftsman is cause of the things made by his craft now the craftsman works through the word conceived in his mind and through the love of his will regarding some object hence also god the father made the creature through his word which is his son and through his love which is the holy ghost and so the procession of the persons are the type of the productions of creatures inasmuch as they include the essential attributes knowledge and will reply to objection one the processions of the divine persons are the cause of creation as above explained reply to objection two as the divine nature although common to the three persons still belongs to them in a kind of order inasmuch as the son receives the divine nature from the father and the holy ghost from both so also likewise the power of creation whilst common to the three persons belongs to them in a kind of order for the son receives it from the father and the holy ghost from both hence to be the creator is attributed to the father as to him who does not receive the power of creation from another and of the son it is said through him all things were made inasmuch as he has the same power but from another for this preposition through usually denotes immediate cause or a principle from a principle but to the holy ghost who has the same power from both is attributed that by his sway he governs and quickens what is created by the father through the son again the reason for this particular appropriation may be taken from the common notion of the appropriation of the essential attributes for as stated above to the father is appropriated power which is chiefly shown in creation and therefore it is attributed to him to be the creator to the son is appropriated wisdom through which the intellectual agent acts and therefore it is said through whom all things were made and to the holy ghost is appropriated goodness to which belongs both government which brings things to their proper end and the giving of life for life consists in a certain interior movement and the first mover is the end and goodness reply to objection three although every effect of god proceeds from each attribute each effect is reduced to that attribute with which it is naturally connected thus the order of things is reduced to wisdom and the justification of the sinner to mercy and goodness poured out superabundantly 
But creation, which is the production of the very substance of a thing, is reduced to power. Seventh article. Whether in creatures is necessarily found a trace of the Trinity. Objection 1. It would seem that in creatures there is not necessarily found a trace of the Trinity, for anything can be traced through its traces. But the Trinity of persons cannot be traced from the creatures, as was above stated. Therefore there is no trace of the Trinity in creatures. Objection 2. Further, whatever is in creatures is created. Therefore, if the trace of the Trinity is found in creatures according to some of their properties, and if everything created has a trace of the Trinity, it follows that we can find a trace of the Trinity in each of these properties, and so on to infinitude. Objection 3. Further, the effect represents only its own cause. But the causality of creatures belongs to the common nature and not to the relations whereby the persons are distinguished and numbered. Therefore, in the creatures is to be found a trace not of the Trinity, but of the unity of essence. On the contrary, Augustine says that the trace of the Trinity appears in creatures. I answer that every effect in some degree represents its cause, but diversely. For some effects represent only the causality of the cause, but not its form, as smoke represents fire. Such a representation is called a trace, for a trace shows that someone has passed by, but not who it is. Other effects represent the cause as regards the similitude of its form, as fire generated represents fire generating, and a statue of mercury represents mercury. And this is called the representation of image. Now the procession of the divine persons are referred to the acts of the intellect and will, as was said above. For the Son proceeds as the word of the intellect, and the Holy Ghost proceeds as love of the will. Therefore, in rational creatures, possessing intellect and will, there is found the representation of the Trinity by way of image, inasmuch as there is found in them the word conceived and the love proceeding. But in all creatures there is found the trace of the Trinity, inasmuch as in every creature are found some things which are necessarily reduced to the divine persons as to their cause. For every creature subsists in its own being, and has a form whereby it is determined to a species, and has a relation to something else. Therefore, as it is a created substance, it represents the cause and principle, and so in that manner it shows the person of the Father, who is the principle from no principle. According as it has a form and species, it represents the word as the form of the thing made by art is from the conception of the craftsman. According as it has a relation of order, it represents the Holy Ghost inasmuch as He is love, because the order of the effect to something else is from the will of the Creator. And therefore Augustine says that the trace of the Trinity is found in every creature according as it is one individual, and according as it is formed by a species, and according as it has a certain relation of order. And to these also are reduced those three, number, weight, and measure, mentioned in the book of wisdom. For measure refers to the substance of the thing limited by its principles, number refers to the species, weight refers to the order. And to these three are reduced the other three mentioned by Augustine, mode, species, and order, and also those he mentions, that which exists, 
whereby it is distinguished, whereby it agrees. For a thing exists by its substance, is distinct by its form, and agrees by its order. Other similar expressions may be easily reduced to the above. Reply to Objection 1. The representation of the trace is to be referred to the appropriations in which manner we are able to arrive at a knowledge of the trinity of the divine persons from creatures, as we have said. Reply to Objection 2. A creature, properly speaking, is a thing self-subsisting, and in such are the three above-mentioned things to be found, nor is it necessary that these three things should be found in all that exists in the creature, but only to a subsisting being is the trace ascribed in regard to those three things. Reply to Objection 3. The processions of the persons are also in some way the cause and type of creation, as appears from the above. Eighth article, whether creation is mingled with works of nature and art. Objection 1. It would seem that creation is mingled in works of nature and art. For in every operation of nature and art some form is produced. But it is not produced from anything, since matter has no part in it. Therefore it is produced from nothing. And thus in every operation of nature and art there is creation. Objection to further, the effect is not more powerful than its cause, but in natural things the only agent is the accidental form, which is an active or passive form. Therefore the substantial form is not produced by the operation of nature, and therefore it must be produced by creation. Objection 3. Further, in nature like begets like, but some things are found generated in nature by a thing unlike to them, as is evident in animals generated through putrefaction. Therefore the form of these is not from nature, but by creation, and the same reason applies to other things. And objection 4. Further, what is not created is not a creature. If therefore in nature's productions there were not creation, it would follow that nature's productions are not creatures, which is heretical. On the contrary, Augustine distinguishes the work of propagation, which is a work of nature, from the work of creation. I answer that the doubt on this subject arises from the forms which some said do not come into existence by the action of nature, but previously exist in matter, for they asserted that forms are latent. This arose from ignorance concerning matter, and from not knowing how to distinguish between potentiality and act. For because forms pre-exist in matter in potentiality, they asserted that they pre-exist simply, Others, however, said that the forms were given or caused by a separate agent by way of creation, and accordingly that to each operation of nature is joined creation. But this opinion arose from ignorance concerning form, for they failed to consider that the form of the natural body is not subsisting, but is that by which a thing is. And therefore, since to be made and to be created belong properly to a subsisting thing alone, as shown above, it does not belong to forms to be made or to be created, but to be concreated. What indeed is properly made by the natural agent is the composite, which is made from matter. Hence, in the works of nature, creation does not enter, but is presupposed to the work of nature. Reply to Objection 1. 
forms begin to be actual when the composite things are made not as though they were made directly but only indirectly reply to objection to the active qualities in nature act by virtue of substantial forms and therefore the natural agent not only produces its like according to quality but according to species reply to objection three for the generation of imperfect animals a universal agent suffices and this is to be found in the celestial power to which they are assimilated not in species but according to a kind of analogy nor is it necessary to say that their forms are created by a separate agent however for the generation of perfect animals the universal agent does not suffice but a proper agent is required in the shape of a univocal generator reply to objection for the operation of nature takes place only on the presupposition of created principles and thus the products of nature are called creatures the end of question 45.